Good morning, Oikos Church. We are in our uh, second week of This Is Us as the Church, and this is a journey through, a brief journey through Ephesians and, uh, and talking about what makes the church. Who are we as the church? Uh, who are we as individuals within that church? And so as Paul is talking to the, the people of Ephesus, as he gives us some, some things that we can relate to today. And so we're going to dive in, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today, starting at verse 1, and we'll go through the chapter. And, and last week we left off at, at uh, what inheritance kind of was, that Jesus has promised the church an inheritance. And so what we're going to talk about today is kind of more of what that inheritance looks like. But first of all, the inheritance that we have first and foremost, comes from God. And so I want to start there. And so we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, and it'll be on the screen, but if you want to turn to it on your phone or, or the, one of the Bibles, you can. So here we go. Once you were dead because you disobeyed and your, and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of, in this unseen world, he is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and insulations of our sinful nature, inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So how many of you have ever disobeyed your parents? If you're like me, that's never happened. But I, I noticed that my mom's here today. I didn't know she was coming today. So when I ask this question, it's a little more personal. <laughs> but we disobey not only our earthly parents, but we also disobey our Heavenly Father. And that's a given. I mean, we can look at our week and, and we can see, we can count the times probably uh, at least one time that we've disobeyed either our earthly Heavenly Father or our earthly father or mother. And so we, as spiritual, parent, or as spiritual children of God, we disobey our Heavenly Father too. And this is what Paul's talking about. He jumps in and says, you guys are disobeying me. This is what happens being a human. You want to follow Satan instead of following me. And so we, as a church, constantly disobey our Heavenly Father. We constantly want to follow things of this world, and we get in traps with Satan. Satan says, this thing is good, my job is good, my family is good, and I'm going to put those things above God. And, and so part of being a church recognizes that we as a church are sinful, and the inheritance that God wants to give us is not rightfully ours. That we have no right whatsoever to the inheritance that God gives us. And we can look throughout our week and we can see probably a blessing or two that we have squandered away. That we had in our possession that God blessed us with and we just throw it away. And so, so I think in so many ways that we are irresponsible with the blessings that the Lord has given us. Because, partially, is we like to do what we want to do. 
And that's some of that disobedience is, is as I know when I was growing up, that when my mom or my dad would give me something to do, my first response often with a chore would be, well, what is my sister doing? What is Amy doing? Why can't she do that thing? Why does she have to, to be able to sit while I, you know, I go do work? So <laughs> there's this disobedience that just runs in all of our hearts. And because of that disobedience, we're left out of the inheritance. Because of our disobedience to God, we have no right whatsoever to get something from God. We have no right whatsoever to receive from our God. And that's just through disobedience. And our inheritance instead, because we disobey, is what Satan wants to give us. We don't want what Satan wants, do we? But so often, we look at those stuff that Satan offers, like prestige or fame, money, greed. We look at these things and we say, that's what I want. That's the inheritance that I want to receive. It's stuff of this world. Is I want to grab a hold to the things that Satan promises instead of what God promises. And so we're going to jump in and we're going to, we're going to look at the, the story of the prodigal son a little bit. And the prodigal son, I think, does a good job at kind of looking at somebody who, two different individuals who have squandered or received inheritance. And so we're going to jump in and we're going to talk a little bit about this story. And, uh, and this is a, a story that Jesus is telling people. And, uh, and it's talking about a son that had inheritance and a son that worked really hard. And so we're going to look at that. It's going to be Luke chapter 15. And it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money living in wild living. And so the younger son squandered his inheritance. He took what was his, or a blessing from the father, really, early, and he said, I'm going to go live wildly with it. So I'm going to take this inheritance that probably shouldn't even be mine until my father is ready to give it, but I asked it from him, and so I took it. I'm going to go live wildly. I'm going to go probably do a number of things that include wasting money on stupid things, which is I'm pretty good at. And so he went and squandered this inheritance that he was, was, going, was given And so how many of y'all, as you look through your week, how many of y'all have squandered at least one blessing from the Lord? Ooh, that's a bigger response than I thought. And so I think like for (laughs) 10, for for me, uh, I squandered this week is we had a beautiful opportunity for Rachel and I and uh, Corey Nicole Spengler to head to Sylvia Nelson's house in, in Corpus this week. And so while we were there, we had a beautiful time of rest. And for me, instead of taking that time to just sit and rest with my wife and friends, I decided I needed to sit and rest with my phone instead. And so I, there would be times that I would, uh, Rachel would be talking to us or, or Corey and Nicole would be sitting on the couch and I'd be over there fumbling on my phone as if something's important uh, on Facebook, which it never is. 
And, and so I had this time that I just, I just squandered. And, and instead of looking at the blessing of time with my friends and family, I wanted to look elsewhere for that inheritance. I mean, I had blessings sitting right there, which is a relationship with people, which is much more important than fake relationships on Facebook. And I wanted those things instead. And so I think as we look at our lives, as we look throughout our week, is we can see these times where we squander something that the Lord has blessed us with. And, and these blessings that we squander, they weren't even ours to begin with. We had, again, we had no right in our disobedience to these blessings. So I had no right to be able to stay at Sylvia Nelson's house. I had no right to have a beautiful wife. I had no right to have friends because I know how disgusting I am as a person. But these blessings that the Lord gives us, they're not even ours to begin with. But our entitlement seeks in, sneaks in and says, I deserve something that I didn't earn myself. And we waste those things constantly to the point where, where I would say that we are dead. That we waste our inheritance so much that we take what the Lord's given us and throw it away so much that we, that we are dead inside. That we have no right to what the Lord's given us and He blesses us anyways. And we take that blessing and say, I don't even want it. But we'll jump in in verse Verse 5, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, and it says, But God is so rich in his mercy and loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sin, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raises us from the dead along with Christ and seats us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point out to us, in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so we can do the things that God had planned for us long ago. So with grace, your inheritance actually starts now. From the moment that Jesus died, our inheritance starts. So if you think of your earthly inheritance, uh, maybe some of y'all have received that already from your for parents that have passed. Maybe some of y'all haven't even thought about that because your parents, you don't want to think about your parents passing. But odds are that there is an inheritance, that, an earthly inheritance that will come your way. Um, maybe that inheritance is a legacy that when your parents pass, they say, we are the Durongs. We have pride in who we are. Maybe some of that is, is, uh, is, comes financially. Maybe you get some estate. Maybe some of it comes spiritually, where your parents have raised you spiritually, and you say, I know who I am as a child of God. But odds are there is some inheritance that is going to come our way. And the moment your parents die, that legacy is passed on. That inheritance is passed on. And the same thing with Jesus. is the moment that Jesus died on the cross, we get that inheritance of eternal life. 
that with Jesus' death, we now receive everything. And so with that grace through Jesus is our inheritance actually can start now. That, as Paul says, we are new in Christ. So we, God looks at us differently. He doesn't look at us for the times we disobey. He doesn't look at us for the times that we squandered the inheritance already or the blessings that he's given us. But with Jesus' death is our inheritance starts right away. And once that inheritance kicks in, is you can't change it. So just like an earthly inheritance is, is you can go to court and try to fight it, but what your parents say and in their will, that's what's going to happen. And so when Jesus says that in my will is to be united with you forever, is there's nothing that can change that as long as we believe. There's nothing that can change that. So we have this inheritance that Jesus has given us, and all we have to do is believe. And this inheritance looks like an internal relationship, a relationship that starts today. It started a long time ago that will continue. And that's way more important than anything we can see on this earth. And that's way more important than anything that Satan can offer. And that's way more than anything that our heart's desire can offer. But with Jesus is we have an eternal relationship that starts right now. That starts with his grace. Starts with his death and resurrection. That he says, Ian, you're my child, you're good enough. Rachel, you're my daughter, you're good enough. Daryl, you're my son, I want you to be a part of my inheritance. And so we receive these things because God looks at us and says, you are my masterpiece. I spent a long time on you. I've risked a lot on you. Actually, I've risked everything because you're my masterpiece. I've molded you. I've formed you. I've taken you when you were just a mud and I've created you into this workmanship that people can look at that people can see that, wow, God's imprint is on you. That the creator of the world actually created each and every one of us. And we're his masterpiece. He, he looks at us and says, that's my best work. Because I've seen Wynn when he was nothing. But I look at him and say, he is my kid. He's my masterpiece. And so Paul goes on to write about division between the Jews and the Gentiles. And this is a division between those that were sworn into the inheritance, which were the Jews, that through their circumcision that they were included in the family, and then those that were outside, so those that weren't Jewish, that wanted to follow Jesus. And so we'll jump in at verse 11, and it says, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You are called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who are proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promise God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Christ himself has brought us peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles in one people, into one people when, his, when in his own body and cross 
He broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of the death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you and Gentiles who are far from him and peace to the Jews who are near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So the Gentiles were outside of the promise. They were outside of the covenant. They, didn't, they weren't the Jews that had followed God from back in Moses' time, back in Abraham's time, back to Genesis. They had just heard the good news for the first time and wanted to follow. So then that begs the question, like, well, what do I do to follow how can, I, how can I follow Christ? What do I need to do to get into this inheritance? And Paul says, you had no right to the covenant because you weren't circumcised. However, God looks inwardly into the heart. And God work, looks into your heart and sees that you have a mark that says you're a child, that you belong. And that this inheritance is more than just a ticket out of hell, but rather a relationship, and a movement from death into life. And so they're following Christ, not because they just want to get out of hell, but they're following Christ because he moves from death into life. And he moves you from outside the family into the family. When you deserve nothing, he brings you to everything. And so with Jesus, we have the rightful inheritance. And it changes our heart, actually. That when we are united with Christ, that we start seeing things differently. And when Paul talks about Jesus breaking down the walls in our life, as we start seeing less division. And so whether we like it or not, there's actually division within our church. Here today, there's division. I'm sure some of us have probably looked around and said, you don't raise your kids right. Or you look around and say, missional communities are only for the people that are in the in crowd, not for me. Or the way that that person acts, I don't know if I can really want to be a part of that. They just drag me down. They're just so negative. Whether we like it or not, there's division within our church. Here today, that there's people that don't like each other here. You may love each other, but you don't like each other. But what makes us the church is that Christ unites those divisions. That there is no more division when Jesus is present. But again, we like to look back at those things and say, I don't have any hope for that person. I don't know how they're going to change. I don't know what they're going to do to be different because there's hopeless. I don't know how they're going to get it. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to need to happen for them to, to finally know how to live life perfectly. <laughs> but Jesus breaks down those walls, breaks down those barriers, and breaks down those divisions in our lives because he wants each and every one of us to be united with his family.
And when he's the center of that, there's no more me and them. It's no more us versus the world. It's no longer me versus my wife. It's no longer me versus my friends. It's no longer me versus my boss, me versus the job. But it's me with Christ and Christ with the people around me. And so under Jesus, there is only one church. And guess what? We're all a part of that. We're all a part of that. So back to, um, back to the story of, of uh, the prodigal son is, is we'll jump in at Luke 15 here. And it says, uh, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed a fattened calf, and we're celebrating because of his safe return. So Jesus gives us a great example of what the church can look like. That church looks like a party. The church parties together. (laughs) Jesus parties together. Jesus parties with us is a glimpse of what this inheritance looks like, is a celebration. And so on Sunday mornings is one of the times that we celebrate, one of the times that we have a party, that we can come together and we can celebrate the joyous things that the Lord has done throughout our week together as a family, is, is we get to be a part of the party. And with the oldest son, is he, he was on the outside looking in, and he didn't understand why there was music happening while they were celebrating, why they had killed the fattened calf. They didn't know why. He didn't know why. He was on the outside looking in. He saw the party. He saw what was happening. He saw people having fun. He saw the father celebrating with the reunited son. But he couldn't understand what that life looked like. Partially because he's a little self-righteous, because he wanted to look at his actions and say, I didn't squander my inheritance. I did the best that I could with it. I worked in the fields. I worked hard. I did all this stuff. So why don't I get a party? And the reality is, is he could have been a part of the party. Munn said he looked inwardly and relied on his hard work. Looked inwardly and said, look how I saved these things that you blessed me with, Lord instead of celebrating in a relationship with the Father, instead of being part of the party, all he had to do was believe. Believe that my brother is reunited reunited at home. Believe that he's reunited with the Father. And so our inheritance is this eternal party with God. I mean, how many of you like to party? A couple? One or two. See, for me, like a party looks like getting to bed by 10 o'clock and watching House Cards. That's a party to me. <laughs> but with our inheritance comes a new life. And so we can look at our circumstances today and we can eagerly be waiting for that new life. That new life may never come on this side of heaven. And that's the reality. Is there sickness and diseases that we probably all struggle with and that we've all been a part of and witnessed? 
There's some incurable diseases. There's some stuff that takes loved ones home early. There's sickness all around us. And so on this side of heaven, we may never see that new life. But with Jesus and with the grace of the Father is we have a glimpse of what that party looks like. And that we're all invited to experience that eternal life together with him. And all I have to do is believe. That our circumstances of today don't matter. That our sin that we want to follow, the stuff that, the inheritance that we squander, that none of that matters. Because we're all invited to the party. They all get to sit and rest with the Father. So in closing, I'm going to read an excerpt from 1 Peter. It says, All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay, And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So we have an inheritance in heaven that is kept with us, kept for us. Inheritance that things of this world can't decay, things of this world can't overcome, that sin can't overcome. Because Jesus has earned it for us. Not because we wanted to earn it ourselves. But Jesus lays it out there all for us. And the moment he died, the moment that he gave his life, that our grace and our inheritance starts. And it's promised on the last day that we get the full glimpse of what it looks like. And so we have a little bit of those glimpses with worship on Sunday mornings with our spiritual family We have small glimpses of that when the Lord gives us somebody to talk to, to help us get through a problem, when somebody prays with us. We all have small little glimpses of what that party looks like. But on the last day, God will give it to us fully. God will give us everything fully. And he does give us everything fully. Doesn't withhold doesn't say because of your, you've squandered this inheritance once, I'm not giving it back. But he gives us it over and over and over again. And he invites us to believe. He invites us to say, it's not on my own power, but it's through you, Jesus. And we get to celebrate together. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time to, to worship together, this time to hear from you together, this time to receive from you together, that as a church, we get to see a glimpse of this party that you have for us, that we get to see this celebration with you there and us there, and that we don't have to worry about our death anymore, but you've overcome that. And you've given us a glimpse of what a celebration looks like. And so help us to believe today. Help us to not rely on our own power, but to rely on you. And all else we ask your name, Father. Amen.